Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Healthy Dose of Dialogue podcast. I'm your host, Don Antonucci, Senior Vice President of Growth at Blue Shield of California. My guest today is Vinny Catalano. Vinny is Senior Vice President of Employee Benefits at Lockton, a privately owned consulting firm serving more than 50,000 clients around the world in areas of risk management, retirement, and employee benefits. He has more than 20 years of experience in healthcare and in the insurance industry, leading and designing innovative healthcare benefit programs and solutions. In this episode, we'll hear from Vinny about how he and his team at Lockton are reimagining healthcare purchasing, how to choose sustainable, affordable health programs, and what employers and patients can expect in this evolving market. Thank you for joining me, Vinny. Thanks, Don. Well, you get two Italians for the price of one. (laughs) That's right. That's right on. Love it. So, hey, to start out, Vinny, uh, I'd love first just to uh, have our listeners learn a little bit more about your background. I mean, you have two decades of experience in employee benefits and consulting. So what is it about the healthcare industry that excites and motivates you? And also, how did you get into this industry? I don't think anyone in the industry starts out saying, I want to get into the insurance industry. Okay, we're, we're all accidents in some way, shape, or form, I believe. And um, in grad school, um, one of my colleagues, uh, Bob Emery, um, just, you know, and it ran conversation, says, you know, he's, he, was a, he was a benefits broker. And he says, you know, Vinny, I think you'd be good at this. And I was like, oh, okay, what is it? So we took, it took about five years for me to like get my brain wrapped around it. And I ended up joining a small uh, independent brokerage in, in Sacramento. And um, and started, you know, not knowing what I didn't know. I, I just, you know, dove into the business, learned as much as I could, focused mostly at that time on small groups, and um, really, you know, made an impact pretty pretty quickly. A couple of years in, we were acquired uh, by a large national international brokerage, and that allowed me to spread, you know, my wings and and grow into larger uh, organizations in in the public sector and private sector uh, throughout California. And, um, you know, uh, the ACA Affordable Care Act, you know, kicked in along the way, and and that made uh, for a lot of change for a lot of people. And um, I I think that is the theme, you know, Don, when you ask me, you know, what what motivates me, uh, it's, it's change. It's this constant evolution um, and I'm sure, as we'll cover in, in this conversation later, um, the role of what I do has evolved dramatically in the last, you know, 24 to 36 months. Uh, and so uh, it's the change. It's the opportunity to help employers um, take better control over the cost of this very expensive thing. You've got a, a front row seat to a variety of different clients and, and employers in terms of how they've uh, experienced the pandemic. And I know it's different for different employers, but as, as it relates to health care and benefits, what are some of the things that have shifted or accelerated from your perspective because of what we've been going through with the pandemic? Now, that, that's, a, that's a great question. You know, the, the pandemic is obviously something that just sort of happened to everyone. But at the same time, we were not only dealing with the pandemic, but you're also dealing with um, social equity issues. Uh, the, the pandemic caused this work from home phenomenon. Um, and I, you know, to be in HR today, human resources, um, it, it is a 
in my opinion, it's a very, very, very tough job. I, I mean, HR teams are stretched, um, high turnover in that role, as I see throughout the industry. And it's been one of those things where the pandemic has caused a lot of people to think differently about a lot of things. Uh, engagement, how do we compensate our employees, the value of benefits. But it's interesting that those conversations, when I look at Lockton's talent and culture survey, benefits and comp actually fall lower, way lower on the scale than things like diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, culture and engagement, um, change and transformation, uh, leadership skills and uptraining. So the world of HR has, has really been thrown into a, a tizzy. At the same time, um, financial leaders in organizations, the C-suite, are all of a sudden looking at benefits. I'm like, they're, all of a sudden they're waking up and they're going, wait, wait, this, this costs what? And let's go back 20 years when I started in the industry. A single premium for an average plan was what? About 200 bucks a single, you know, something like that, maybe 150, you know? And so when they got that 10% increase every year, you know, that 10% on 200 was 20 bucks, no big deal. Today, that average premium is 500 bucks, okay? And that 10% increase represents 50 bucks. So it's just simple compound math. In five years, that 10% every year equals $863. Mm -hmm. And companies aren't prepared for that. You know, they're just not. So the finance part of the organization is taking a bigger view. HR is working on any number of other initiatives that affect the organization. And, you know, one of my, you know, um, you know, stump speeches, if you will, is to really try to get those teams talking to each other more effectively. They talk past each other. And if you can get the financial teams working with the HR teams and finding common language, that is where you start to evolve the sustainability of your plans. What strikes me too in healthcare sometimes, we use a lot of acronyms and a lot of inside talk, but as you describe the role of a broker or a consultant, um, to family members or people outside of the industry. Could you just describe for folks, you know, what is it that you do? How do you describe that? In its core, I'm there to find efficiencies across the benefit offering, right? So a lot of organizations just do benefits. I give them a health plan, I give them dental, I give them vision, I give them whatever, and they pay no mind to it. It's just this cost of doing business that they give. And so when I tell people, I, I look for hidden opportunities to find efficiencies for you know, long-term cost-effective sustainability. That's a lot of words, but no one ever asks what I do because I'm in the insurance business. Nobody wants to talk to me about that. <laughs> They'd rather talk to me about what I do on the wine side. You know, they don't want to talk about We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. <laughs> From an employer perspective, then what is what are some of the biggest healthcare misconceptions that mm. an employer has when searching for healthcare offerings? Praying for a good outcome every year is not a strategy. Okay. And I would say that most organizations do that. They um, do not have a strategic plan around benefits. It's not a proper defined business process in most organizations. You know, most companies look at their annual healthcare spend year by year by year. 
and the renewal comes whenever the broker chooses to deliver it. And all of a sudden that sets the brain in motion about, well, now what do we do? Okay, well, if they, like I said earlier, I mean, I think everybody's been lulled into this thing where they get a 10% increase every year. And if it's, if it's higher, we have to do something about it. If it's lower, the broker walks in with a rate pass or a 5% increase. Hey, we're popping bottles. Yeah, I beat up the insurance company. You know, that's just not re reality and not sustainable. So when we go back to the math I did a few minutes ago, most organizations are absolutely, with absolutely, if they actually thought about it, would be absolutely appalled to realize that in five years, at, at the current rate of increase, um, they're not going to be willing to spend what they spend. And so what happens? You know, they water down the benefits. You know, they, they increase deductibles, out-of-pocket maximums, all those things. And then the employees, you know, get mad at the organization for raising their costs for either premium or out-of-pocket expenses. So I think the big misconception is that it's okay to pray about your, your annual benefit strategy and, you know, that you are okay with the spreadsheet wrangling broker that comes in and, you know, throws out a bunch of numbers and, you know, you sit there and you try to make a decision based upon that versus taking a step back and saying, okay, here we are today. Why are we offering benefits? What value do our employees play in the equation? And then what is this, how can we chart out a course for, for five years ahead? And um, that's the, that, you know, go back, going back to what, what motivates me, what excites me about this business. It's that. It's having the opportunity to have that conversation with an employer um, to help them see the future. And, and that is the big misconception, I think, is most employers think it's just this thing that they, that 35% or more of payroll spend benefits are pricey. It's really important. I mean, I've been doing this for, you know, just as long as you have um, more than a couple decades in healthcare. And a lot of that's been on the health plan side. And I would say, boy, there's a handful of employers that I can think of that actually uh, have been focused on their healthcare programs like you're describing, and they get results uh, for sure in a different way. And it, it has always been surprising to me, you know, why that hasn't um, shifted more. So from your perspective, is it just that, hey, this isn't a core focus of their business, even though, you know, really it should be? I mean, we've all seen different stats out there about, you know, different companies or services that when you take a step back and look like what you're paying for healthcare versus maybe the products you're delivering, you know, whether it's cars or, you know, whatever it might be that, boy, spending some real time there um, and some strategic time with a broker or consultant, but also with your own team and staff pays significant dividends back to the company, but also importantly to the health and well-being of your employees. So based on all that, and I know you agree with that, where have you seen employers? Are you seeing it? Are they starting to shift more into actually looking at it from that strategic way? Or is there just still a long way to go because it's really just that annual process and, and oh, now we got to look at it? Well, if, if you look at some of the research <clears throat> that's been published, uh, some of the, the papers I've read in the last six, eight months, um, you know, the financial suite, CFO, CEO, are definitely taking a harder look at, at benefits. I mean, Listen, the CFO and CEO are actively involved in all of the other risk management insurance decisions, whether it's 
E&O, D&O, general liability, property, casualty, cyber, all those lines of coverage. And if they actually took an objective look at what they spend on those coverages versus healthcare, healthcare is going to be higher. But they stay away from it for whatever reason, because in their minds, they give that control to the HR staff. And the HR staff is not financially trained. And so they take the advice of the third party, which is the broker or consultant. And and so it's this weird thing that goes on. I joke and say it's kind of like a game of telephone. Broker whispers in the HR person's ear. The HR person then repackages it and then delivers it up to the C-suite. And there's a lot that gets lost in translation. And then there's been times where I'll get the call from the CFO and they are all angry at that point. And so it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, for me, those organizations that have figured out to get all of us in the same room at the same time to talk about the same thing and, and develop the strategy. And, and listen, I mean, to be fair, Don, you know, larger enterprises do this. Okay. I mean, you know, that 5,000 plus space, I mean, you've got people who make benefits a strategic part of their business process. But I say in the solid mid-market, in that 100 to 5,000 space, you know, I would say that, that there's a lot of room to grow from organizations. And the other thing is, and you know the data as well as I do, you know, throughout, say, California, when you analyze all the groups that are insured, you know, what, 75, 80% are fully insured and 20% are self-funded, where if you go anywhere east of California, the ratio is reversed. More organizations are self-funded back east. And I think part of that is the appetite for risk of, of the insurance companies, but also that other equally large umbrella and you know, gorilla in the room that starts with a K, you know, with a large market share, it, it creates underwriting challenges for everyone to have choice. You know, the ones that are winning are the ones that go all in with one carrier, I think, in, in a lot of sense. You know, they can find strategic opportunities, find ways to save money and um, partner well with, with the self-funded you know, or, you know, type way of doing it, doing it level-funded, whatever it might be. But those who want to get control over their healthcare spend would start to be better advised to lean into self-funding, captives, you know, you know, level-funded solutions or other things where they can actually see the data and do something about it. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, I spent the first part of my career um, on the East Coast in New York, in New Jersey, briefly, Maine. And it's very different in terms of the appetite for different products, whether it's health savings accounts, or high deductibles, and what's acceptable versus what I've seen in you know California, Oregon, Washington State, where I've spent the, you know, the last uh, decade. Um, so I agree with you. And you know, your point on the larger companies are doing this, I agree. I also think, um, and it maybe it ties in a little bit about you know, some of the more paternalistic, I think, customer profiles on the West Coast. But even for some of the large jumbo companies, I would agree they've got strategy and thought around it. But I also think that there's still quite a bit of ways to go for many of them in terms of really understanding the opportunity and also the waste and sort of the malfunction that's in healthcare. I work for an employer, Blue Shield of California Health Plan, that says, hey, you know what? We got a, we got a broken system and we're looking to create a system that's worthy of our family and friends and sustainably affordable. And we're the first to say, we're not there yet by any means. 
And so I think employers um, have an opportunity to continue leaning in and not find some of that acceptable. And there are some solutions out there that start to drive them in that manner. So, I mean, would you agree with that? I mean, that there's still a ton of opportunity for some oh, of those. There's, there's yeah. huge opportunity, Don. And, and you know, the, the challenge, of course, and, and is a fully insured, no fuss, no muss solution is, you know, you know, I like to show a picture of a, of a car that's already put together, you know, with everything and a chassis of a car that has nothing bolted onto it and you have to bolt all the things onto it to make it run uh, as a self-funded plan because you know but the self-funded side gives you so much more flexibility you get to find you get a deep understanding of your of your workforce you get to target conditions that might be endemic to the workforce you you can you can manage your pharmacy spend so much better um you know i'm a big believer in looking at employees, not as a group of people that you're giving this thing to, meaning benefits, but as a group of people who are equally invested in the success of the health plan, right? Most organizations don't train people how to use their plan, right? They give them a sheet at open enrollment. This is what the plan does, copay, co-insurance, blah, blah, blah but they don't tell them how to use it. They don't tell them how to talk to their doctors about drugs. They don't, they don't talk to them about, well, before you go to the ER, you might want to tap into the telemedicine app or the, or the 800 number on the nurse line just to triage what's going on before you spend 5,000 bucks over at the ER. So I, I think organizations, if they begin to look at their employees as value-added members of the health plan and stewards of the health plan, and get them to think like consumers of the health plan. And I don't care whether you're high deductible or rich plan, whatever. The point is, is if you can get your employees to think like they're part of the thing, um, you will have better outcomes long run at lowering, you know, at bending the curve somewhat. I love that. I think you're right. And I, and I also feel ownership or the industry, I think feels ownership of doing a better job too, of serving those things up. I start at the very basic level, right? I believe that Americans only need to know five things about healthcare, right? Very simple. If you can know the definition of premium, deductible, copay, coinsurance, and out-of-pocket maximum, if you know those five terms, you are way ahead of the game because I hear people confuse HR executives, CFOs, CEOs, they confuse all those terms all the time. And point in my mind, 0.0001% of the population knows what a maximum out of pocket is. You know, and, and so when I think that's like the most important term of all of them, you know, when it comes to the function of a health plan. So, you know, it's, I, I think, you know, my, my thinking over the years has shifted. I, I kind of believe that 80% of the population is pretty healthy. They, they don't need to, they go to the doctor whenever they feel like it's not a, it's not a big deal. They're healthy people. You know, 18% are a little more frequent, 19% are more frequent flyers and, and, and they access the system more. And then you got that 1% who are just, you know, in it and, and they have no choice over it, whether it's a chronic condition or cancer or, you know, whatever it is, you know, they're, they're the, the heavy utilizers. And, um, in my mind, and you can't control that. You know, we look at those renewals every year and we look at those five large claims and, and those are nothing that a wellness program is going to do anything about. 
But if we can target those people in that 18% or 19% to use healthcare more efficiently, um, that will make a difference. One of the things I noted is that Lockton released a top 2021 talent and culture priorities and practices report that was based on feedback, I think, from something like 600 human resources leaders. Uh, can Can you highlight a few of the key takeaways from that and anything that you found either surprising or particularly interesting? The top thing that, that organizations are looking at are culture engagement and the employee experience. So all those 600 plus locked-in clients, two-thirds said that is like their number one priority. So people are mindful of the fact that now that they're allowing their employees to work from home or some percentage working from home, we need to engage them better. And we need to, to put them as a priority and, and make sure that, that they're feeling part of the organization. So how do we shift our culture? How, what tools do we need to use to engage them better? Obviously, diversity, equity, and inclusion is number two. For, literally half of the group said that was their you know, top, you know, one of their top priorities. Um, and then how do we change in transformation? So change in transformation is number three. So you can see that change is afoot. People are thinking about it. The challenge is, you know, it's a little of the blind leading the blind and hence the world for consultants in all these areas, okay? Or they come to people like me and I help them tee up because, you know, this survey was run by Lockton's Talent and Culture Institute out of Kansas City. And and they have a great team of people and great resources that are third-party resources that we can refer into organizations. But the surprise to me of this really was that when you go on down, you know, only 8%, you know, look at things like educating employees on um, employee benefits. Educating employees about resources and benefits, 8% of the, of the organizations are worried about that. Um, compensation and reward programs, 12%. So, so those issues are literally a factor of six lower than the top priority, which is culture engagement and employee experience. Now, in my mind, benefits education should be wrapped into the employee experience. You know, how do we, you know, get people feeling good about the organization? How do we give them the resources they need, whether it's mental health resources or or whatever it might be and education? And then at the same time, teaching them how to use their benefits more effectively. I think we can weave very nicely into the employee uh, engagement and experience, you know, part of the uh, dialogue. So I wanted to turn to some fun rapid fire questions with you. Uh, so in one word or a sentence, Vinny, uh, you know, what's one thing that you do to stay healthy? Peloton. Love it, love it. Very and simple. <laughs> how long have you been using it and how active are you? Uh, I'd say, like I, I said, see, I finished almost, I'm coming up on my 700th ride. I've had it for about two and a half years. And um, it's the thing, man. I'm on it five, four or five days a week, you know, anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour. Um, it's, it's changed my life. I mean, there's no other way to put it. And, and, and I don't, and that's not a commercial for, for them. I mean, that's just, um, it's just is it suited me very very well, and I'm I'm actually equally proud of my wife who I bought this for me, and I didn't think she was going to be interested in it. She has more rides on it right now than I do, so 
it's a family thing and it's 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 really really good what is the most used app on your phone the most used app on my phone is probably mail i mean i am you know and that's my thing you're you're constantly doing that but you know the the, the second most probably in, in the off hours is instagram because of my wine thing um which is just a hobby and, and a little wine education thing called vines with Vinny that um i've been doing since the middle of last summer where i just you know post wine reviews i i interview um you're interviewing me i i interview wine luminaries uh, throughout uh, california and beyond um and to me it's just a hobby it's, it's just a lot of fun to to show people that somebody who really didn't know a lot about wine can learn about wine and uh, experience it a little differently Oh, I'm checking that out in real time here. So you got 1,532 followers there, Bollins <laughs> underscore with underscore Vinny, and now you've got an additional follower. So well, very thanks, nice. Don. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Uh, thank you. That's excellent. Thank you, Vinny. This was tremendous. Thanks for your time here on this podcast. Absolutely, Don. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You got it. And for our listeners, thank you for taking the time to listen. You know, I hope you walked away with some key takeaways here. I mean, first of all, just inspiration from Vinny and what he's looking to do to improve the, you know, the health purchasing and outcomes through different strategies that, you know, employers in particular can be looking at in a different way. And I think, you know, what really resonated in this conversation as well is just the importance of education, communication, and thinking strategically about health plan benefits. It's, it's a significant expense. And I know that Vinny and, you know, um, what he's able to do with his colleagues at Lockton, there's a lot of different solutions that employers could be and do consider out there. For more information about Lockton, visit Lockton.com and join us next time as we continue to bring you a healthy dose of insights and perspectives based on conversations with leaders who are transforming healthcare. We'd love to hear your feedback. Share your comments with us and let us know your thoughts by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. And you can also join the conversation on LinkedIn or Twitter at Dose of Dialogue or visit our website at doseofdialogue.com.